previously on Where I Stay. It's like being on a motorcycle, in a sense. When you're riding, and you're riding the motorcycle, and you don't have no helmet or no facial gear or whatever, and you're smiling the whole time. You're having fun at that moment because it's exciting and it's different. Your energy is getting so much caught up with the riding of the motorcycle. You know, you're smiling and you're not thinking about the bugs being smacked across your face. And then once you stop that motorcycle and you look at yourself in the mirror and your hair now is one big dreadlock and <laughs> your eyes are tearing up and your face is extremely dry and feeling like leather and you have things in your mouth that shouldn't have been in your mouth that you realize that even though that ride was fun, there was some bullshit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I feel. I feel like I've just been on a ride. And then somebody says, well, tell me about your life. Tell me, you know, what you've you've overcame or whatever. And you're like, fuck, that's a lot of stuff. From Rivet and Streetwise, this is where I stay. I'm Jesse Batend. This episode, we do something that Angelica herself never got a chance to do. Stop and realize that all this time, there was someone who could have easily fixed a lot of the things that were going wrong in Angelica's life. This week, who they were and why they didn't. Episode four, Momentum Meet Wall. And break apart. Angelica had been living with Cheryl, the queenpin of an Iowa drug ring. But after the DEA raided Cheryl's house, she disappeared. So Angelica decided to move back in with the person who first sent her away. Tell me about making the decision to go back to mom. Um, it was like, hey, happen? I don't even know if how if I called her or if we saw each other or something. It was like, hey, look, I'm in a fucked up situation. I don't have nowhere to go. I have your grandson, whatever. And it was over with. And I was back at the house. Mm -hmm. And why not dad? Because I didn't want to come to Chicago. Mm. Back then, it was Chicago was fun during the summertime, but it wasn't like somewhere where I wanted to stay. It wasn't home. No. You know, it was simpler in, in Iowa. While Angelica was hallucinating in Four Oaks and getting kicked out of Mercy House and being raided by law enforcement, her dad was living in Chicago in the apartment above the club. Because that was one of my biggest questions through the whole story was like, if all this stuff is happening with mom, mm. why didn't you choose dad? I don't remember. Hmm. I don't think I even, I even made him into an option. Because it was like dad was in, in Chicago and that was it. And... I'm here in Iowa. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess now you kids, got me thinking don't... why I didn't ever choose to pick, be like, Dad, come send for me. Yeah. Come get me. 
It's a really Let me come live question. with you. I never thought about it. I mean, Stop I, making me think. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, now I can't ask him because he's deceased. I mean, <sighs> where were hard. you several years ago when I could have asked him? I <laughs> <laughs> like, put these things in my head. Like, Angelica talks about her parents very differently. While there's palpable anger when she's describing her mother, Angelica talks about her father in a string of warm memories, almost exclusively glowing terms. What was your, <laughs> what was your dad like when he was running the club? How did you kind of see him? My father was the yes man. Hmm. Uh, that's what I would consider him, the yes man. You know, if it was you needed a loan, he would tell you yes. If you needed somewhere to crash, he would tell you yes. Anything and everything, he would tell you yes. And, you know, half the time people didn't pay him back, but it didn't matter. He was the one that you would go to. He looked like Mario from Super Mario Brother. Instead of, he was short, he was chubby. They used to call him Meatball, too. What? Like, my cousins would call him Meatball. His nickname was Chico123 because he had three kids. And um, he went through a phase where he would do his mustache and twist it with the little curls and stuff like that. So I used to watch him put the beeswax into his curls. And yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, he had no neck. It's just all head and shoulders. Little <laughs> fat man. <laughs> the Never question that I kind of walked away with from the Fair Oaks thing was just like, if he was your legal guardian as much as your mother was mm -hmm. your legal guardian, like it sounds to me like he could have just come and picked you up. And been like, and just taken take you Take me away. Yeah. I don't know. He never did. Hmm. I'm like, I was just here on the holidays and... Spring, or not spring break, summer break. Do you think, do you think that he maybe thought that you did want to kill your mother? Um, no, because I was daddy's little girl. So whatever I did, my father justified. Throughout her life, whenever Angelica got in trouble, her father seemed to find a way to twist the situation around so that it wasn't her fault. So when I got like kicked out of school or suspended, it was because like, it wasn't my daughter got kicked out of school or suspended. It was, why were they messing with my daughter and my daughter would have never did that. So therefore she's the victim in this. <laughs> you know, like he always made me into the victim. I mean, I was 30 years old and he was still giving me an allowance. Right. So I mean, <laughs> you can see what kind of relationship we had. He still called yeah. me his little girl. You know, he'd go into the store and be like, oh, la nana and stuff. And everybody's looking for a little girl. And I'm like, 30, hello. Yeah. Angelica viewed her dad's tendency to reframe events as coming from a protective place. It was a habit that also extended to his own life. We're Hispanic and we're Catholic. Well, my father's Catholic. And, you know, you don't divorce. It's through thick and thin or whatever. Right. And stuff. So when they file for divorce, that's a no-no. You know, she moved or we all moved. And, you know, it was a lot of secrecy. Angelica can't know exactly when things started getting bad between her parents. And part of that is due to the fact that her parents, at least for a while, were pretending to still be together. But there's a strong possibility that the reason Angelica and her mom moved to Iowa in the first place had more to do with her parents' relationship than a new job opportunity. He, 
I mean, from my understanding in the past, he was a cheater. He had other women or whatever. Chico's habit of rewriting his daughter's story continued after he was no longer around. If anything, it got easier. Like I said, in his eyes, I couldn't do wrong. Yeah. So, you know, having kids out of wedlock and everything else was doing wrong. So he made the picture right for me. You know what I'm saying? And showing up at her dad's house, a homeless single mom, would really mess up that picture. My dad never admitted that my son was black because my dad was in a sense, prejudice. Well, not in a sense. He was oh. prejudiced. So um, my son's name was never Anthony. It was Antonio. <laughs> and I was allegedly married, according to all his friends, because, you know, being having children out of wedlock was a no to him. Um, and mm. um, my son was just Puerto Rican. Wow. Yeah. So he died saying the same thing, so... Wow. Up to this, up to the day he died, and so I was still married. I don't know who to, but I was still married. It sounds like your dad was kind of like creating a version of your life that wasn't Almost. real, and that was maybe better than than he, what he was the reality of the what reality you were going of it. Through. I think it was more about like him saving face and saying, "Oh, you know, my daughter has a child with a black man." Or, and she's not married, and she's young. That was a worse story to him in his mind than saying, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. Because I don't think anybody really cared my who I was married to or anything else or what nationality my son was. But to him, it mattered. Right. So he continued on with his story. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Nobody ever met my husband. I haven't even met my husband, so. <laughs> I want to know where he's at all these years and where's child support and all. <laughs> Why wasn't he at the shelter with me? I want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with your, your like 16 to 18 year old self, there was mm-hmm. uh, an element of your dad kind of like telling people a different story about your life than the life you were actually living. Do you think that it's possible... And I know that it's hard to like assume. So like we can get off this if you want, but with your dad, do you think that maybe what he saw it as was like, he saw you as the victim in the situation with your mom where Mm -hmm. like he saw you as a 12 year old. She got caught writing something stupid. This is just what I don't even know if my mom ever told him. Really? Oh, they were divorced. Yeah. At that time they were divorced. When did they get divorced? Um, I had to be like 10 or 11. It was around this time that Angelica's behavior started escalating. Part of what I don't understand and what I'd like to try to understand is how things got so frayed. I was the bad child. Mom. I mean, I get that, but like... In all honesty, and I've, I've tried to figure out what was going on, yeah. I think I was too much like my father. Angelica's brothers had always been close with their mother. Angelica had always taken after her dad. So um, from the stories that I've heard, my father had um, threatened to kill my mother before. I had a knife at school. I had a gun at school. Yeah. um, I jumped a girl and tried to cut her tongue out of her mouth. Yeah. Whoa. 
bringing the knife to school, bringing the gun to school, like, were, what was, that was going me on being with you? Cool. It was you being I thought cool. that was me being cool. Was it loaded? That I don't remember. I don't think so. I think you would have gotten in a lot more trouble if it was loaded. I think I probably would have been, like, expelled. Do you remember where you got the gun from? No. I'm pretty sure I got it from, like, a friend or something and yeah. just had it in my book bag or... But, yeah. How close did you get to cutting this girl's tongue out? Um, I was on top of her. With the knife? I didn't even have a knife. I had a scissors for her. Holy shit. So I was trying to get her tongue instead of, and I was trying to cut her tongue. I was right oh on top God. of her, like... And if no one stopped you, would you have done it? Probably. I'm like... Because it's like so much that you take before you just like completely snap. It was around this time that Angelica's dad started threatening her mom. Now, this is all alleged because I wasn't there, so I don't know. My father drove from Chicago to Iowa and um, the building that she was at, she was on the main floor and it was all glass. So supposedly he like parked the car right in front where she was supposed to come out of and just sat there was waiting for her to come out. Then um, she used to tell me that he either wrote her or called her and told her that he was going to cut her up in little pieces, but they were never going to be able to put her back together, but she wasn't going to be dead. Oh, God. So, yeah. So I'm like, it was a lot of different stories that I've heard of him being right. abusive, meant psychologically, mentally, you know, um, to her. But me physically seeing it, I never saw it. Yeah. And that's why I said maybe there's some type of trauma in that era that my mind has mentally just completely blocked it out of saying, no, that's not true. And we're just not going to open that door and stuff. So, you know, I've thought about getting hypnotized to see if I could go back in time and maybe a floodgate will open. But at the same time, I'm terrified of that because I don't know what kind of flood will open. You know what I'm saying? Will it cause me more um, psychiatric issues? Will I have to be hospitalized after all this trauma comes out? Will I change? Will my personality change? And I'm I'm comfortable with who I am. So do I really want to endear that or do I just leave it alone? I'm 38, almost 40. Just leave it alone. It is what it is. And he's gone. I'm, I'm six, on my way to more successful um, ventures and stuff and I'm okay with myself and just leave it yeah <laughs> you're like yeah <laughs> the one thing that definitely did happen around this time Angelica wrote in her diary that she wanted to poison her mother I don't even know like what happened I know cause she had right, right. the heart pills or whatever writing in my diary you know about killing her but and for me to want to kill somebody the damage had already been done somewhere along the way. What was the damage? I don't remember. I hardly remember anything from when I was younger than that. Hmm. And stuff. It's like my brain just stopped. And it's like, okay, we don't want to remember that for whatever reason. And okay, we're going to pick it up back here. And then we're going to forget about this time period. Really? That's where a lot of my stuff goes on and like just in a circle. And I don't take heed to what year it was. I have to really sit down and think about the major events in my life and coordinate with what other things were happening during that time. So I remember 12. I remember about 10 years old, 10, 11, when my grandfather passed away. 
and my parents were getting a divorce and all that other stuff. I remember that. But before that, I don't remember much. Saying that I wanted to kill my mom brought up issues with herself that was never expressed. So therefore, I'm just me. like my dad. So therefore, if my dad had the capability or even had the thoughts of doing these horrific acts, then what's to say that it wouldn't happen? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When you wrote that in your diary, mm -hmm. did you want to kill your mom? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Her rules that she had for me and not for my brothers and the freedom, the lack of freedom, then yeah. I ran Angelica's theory by Dr. Bhaskar Shrapada. He's a clinical psychologist whose patients are almost exclusively people experiencing homelessness. Is that a dynamic that you find happens? You know, that's a really, really, really good question. Mm. Yes, I find that dynamic. I'll give you an example of the dynamic. You know, one of the uh, sad situations may be something like this. Mm -hmm. Suppose a child is born <coughs> out of rape. Mm -hmm. there, there may be certain similarities between a father and a boy or sometimes between a father and a girl which no one else sees but the mother sees. Yeah. So, she may take out her aggression which she originally felt towards the father. You know, when I say rape, I'm talking of rape between a husband and a wife. Right. In other words, I'm talking of abusive relationship that are ongoing where the father is there. So she may take out the anger that she feels naturally understandable anger towards the father on the child. Yeah. Why didn't mom just lock up her medication? I like, don't know. Do you think that she or kind she never of even wanted... talked to me about it? Yeah. You know, like what's going on? Or, you know, I read your diary, you know, I'm I'm sorry for invading your privacy. But why why are you feeling like this? Wow. Or let's have a therapist come or let's process this some kind of way, shape or form or even finding out. Is there something psychologically wrong with me? Yeah. Like I, she never checked. You know what I'm saying? Or was it that she just didn't understand? Or was it because she had so much trauma from my father that yeah. that just naturally connected to me? And therefore, it was like my father was possessing me to do something to her when it wasn't even him. It was our relationship. I don't know if would I actually follow through with it yeah or was it you know me being a teenager and stuff and being just expressing myself of that I was tired of her and you know this was the only option because I'm pretty sure there could have been other ways yeah you know besides that knives or you know cutting brake lines I don't know you know <laughs> so part of me I guess kind of like assumed that you were just being dramatic when you wrote that 
And it could have, um, or it could have been my psyche but at it the is, time. I mean, it, it is, it does sound like talking to you, you're saying that like, no, I could have been a little bit more serious than just mm-hmm. me it being upset. And so I guess what I'm wondering is like, do you think that, do you think that like you really needed to get out of that situation and maybe it was a good thing that you got into these programs because like something actually bad might have happened if you'd stayed there? Um... I don't know. I'm not asking that, you to predict the future. I'm right. just curious. Like I'm like that. I don't know because you know, in, in that time, instead, of my brain was all over the place. Yeah. So it could have anything could have been a possibility. You know, it could have just me been talking and venting and stuff like that, and really processing it and just letting it out, or. It could have actually physically happened. She could have pushed me to the limit where this is what I saw as an option. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then my whole life would be a little bit, well, not a little bit, but a whole lot different. Angelica was only with her mother for a few months. Not too long after, Jason was released from prison and Angelica moved back in with him. She has a fond memory of celebrating her 21st birthday with Jason and their next-door neighbor, Pinky. On my 21st birthday, they bought me Wild Irish Rose, and I was on the side of the apartment build, or the duplex, throwing up. That's how I remember. And I fell asleep on the sofa on, on their front stoop. Things were as good as they were both fragile and temporary. He ended up violating and going back to prison. It was a pattern that wasn't showing any signs of stopping. Okay, so he's he just mm-hmm. keeps getting... Arrested, basically. Oh, yeah. Like, just When about, I went like, to prison in 2003 or 2002, he had 27 priors. I mean, I still love him. I still look online just to see if he has any more mug shots and stuff. <laughs> That's how I usually find out if he's incarcerated oh, or not, no. is through his mug shots. Angelica had spent her childhood in behavioral treatment programs. And because of this, she had a lot less opportunities to make local friends. The one benefit of living with Jason is that she'd started to build her own network. And this time, instead of moving back in with her mother, Angelica moved in with one of those new friends, a woman named Monica. Me, her, her guy, all lived together. The two got along well. Monica was also a young mom, but Monica's children had been removed from her custody by the state. Every once in a while, they would come over to the apartment for a supervised visit. A few days before one of these visits, Monica came to Angelica and asked her for a favor. So she had told me that the kids were coming for the weekend or whatever. Could I take her to the grocery store to get groceries? I say, sure, not a problem. Angelica agreed, and the two drove over to the grocery store. Monica loads up a cart. So she had a check. The check was already signed. So I was like... Whose check is that? She was like, oh, my aunt told me to get whatever I needed. So I'm like, okay, like a dumbass. Mm. So when we got to the cash register, back then, if you were doing stuff for like senior citizens, they could sign the check and then they would put it in the machine and it would print out um, the pay to the order of and the amount and stuff. So she handed them the check. As the clerk is backing up the groceries, Monica turns to Angelica. And she's like, let me see your keys so I could put the groceries in the car. Angelica hands her the keys. So I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there waiting for the receipt. So oh, no. the lady at the cash register was like, hold on a minute. There's a problem. It's not clearing. 
So I'm like, okay. So I'm standing there still like a dumbass. In the grocery store, they had a little substation inside. So two officers came out. And I'm like, okay, what the hell is this? As the cops come out, like what's going through your brain? Uh, I don't know what the hell going on. And Because the lady didn't tell me nothing. So she ran it okay. through the system twice and stuff. And she's like, hold on a minute. So she leaves and she goes to like this middle section where the manager is at and stuff. And then I'm like, doo, 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 doo. you know, just standing there like a dummy. And then he calls somebody and I'm thinking, OK, they're verifying it or something, you know, because the information's at the top of the check. And then two officers come out and I'm like, oh, you know, still not thinking nothing because, hey, police have the right to stop at a grocery store at any time. And no, they was come to visit me. <laughs> so she's like, he's like, um, ma'am, is this your check? I was like, that's my friend's check. He's like, well, it's a stolen check. You need to come with us. And I'm like, oh, hell to the no. I say, she right outside. Let's go get her. Mm -hmm. So they handcuffed me. They walk with me outside. And I'm like, my car is right there. And sure enough, the car was gone. And so was Monica. So then... They're like, you're under arrest. It's, guilt it's considered guilty of associations and stuff. So then I ended up going to jail. What are you thinking in the back of the squad car? This is some bullshit. That's it? That's it. Just mad? Like, this is some bullshit. My son's at the house. I need to call my mama. So you are thinking about your son? Yeah. Most and definitely. Because that's the first phone call I made. I called my mom to tell her to go to the house and pick up my son. So she stole your car on top of I just of got this car like maybe three weeks before. God damn. Yes. And it was so, a black two-door. And you can't like turn around and be like, uh, I'm going to like... That was not complaint. part of nothing anything in my head. Anything you were thinking. That car yeah. was not anything. My thing was... This B done left me in this store with a stolen check and I'm finna go to jail. That's where it stopped. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, maybe they just give you know, let me go. No. That was not in their category. So as soon as I got down there, I'm like, I called my mother and I was like, look, I'm in jail. I need you to go pick up my son. And I gave her the address mm -hmm. and stuff. And she was supposed to go pick up my son. Because your son was at the house at the that house. you and Monica were living mm -hmm. at? Okay. And so your first thought was, I got to call my mom. Like I that was call the my only mom. person that you could think of. That That's the only one son. I knew that was in that state. And I knew that phone number by heart. Because right. I said, like I said, she ain't never changed that number. At what point did it did it become real to you that you were going to be going to jail? Like, that it was going to be, like, not just a day or two, not just a short sentence, not just parole. Like, you were going to oh, be... Oh, when that judge prison. was talking to me. <laughs> Look, when that judge was talking to me, after 24 hours, you discover you don't have no I-bond or they're not going to let you get released. When you speak to that first judge for the preliminary hearing, no. 
That's when your reality hits. Because he'll tell you a bond. And, you know, when you don't have nobody, you're sitting there. As you were booked that night. Mm -hmm. Reality hits in when they give you your jumpsuit. Okay, reality hits when they give you the jumpsuit. Because you know you're going upstairs. So as you're putting on the jumpsuit, like, what did you think was going to happen to you at that point? I don't know. Well, that whole just going in is embarrassing by itself. Yeah. And stuff. Because back then they didn't have the machine where you walked in and, you know, you held your arms up and it would scan you to see if you had any foreign objects in your body. Now it was, you know, you strip completely butthole naked. You're in a room with a whole bunch of other females. They're telling you to bend over and cough and stuff. They're able to lift your boob up and and pat you everywhere and check your hoo-ha. And then they give you a pair of panties, a bra that was like your mama's bra from 1963. Um, They give you a bra, some socks, and the jumpsuit and stuff. And then they're telling you to get your mattress that had your little towel and your sheet and your blanket in it. And your linen bag and folding it all up and telling you to go upstairs. And so so you're kind of, it seems like maybe, are you thinking about the like future or are you just thinking about the next couple hours at this point? I'm thinking about the next couple hours. Okay. You're not even, you're not even going to go there. And. Because this is the first time I've ever been to prison prison. Right. You know, I'm going, I'm here in jail. I'm not leaving tonight. They're inspector gadgeting your body. And then now you're getting yourself to go upstairs. You're like, shit. You know, the first thing's hitting your mind is, who am I roommating with? Mm-hmm. And stuff. And is this what they make it seem like on TV? Because you don't ever know what you're being locked up with. The question I guess I'm trying to ask is like, you're thinking mm-hmm. about just the next couple hours, but like, when you thought about your son like you can't think about that when you're in prison so you didn't even think about what might happen to him or what might come in the future no you can't think you can't you can't think about the outside world when you're inside that will cause you more um chaos and more isolation and more depression when you start thinking the outside you have to mentally and physically adjust your whole self of understanding where you're at and adjusting to that lifestyle, plan and period, because they will eat you alive. Walking through the yard and stuff, Ruth Ann, who's a lifer, and stuff, called me fresh meat and stuff. And the first thing in my head was, this girl is finna devour me some way, shape, or how. I'm thinking about Big Bertha, you know, the big heavy girl and stuff that's trying to take your goodies and, and all that other stuff. And Ruth Ann was none of that. She was light-skinned, tall, very fit, well-put-together individual that was in there for life. And she called me fresh meat. And I just knew, I was like, I'm finna have to fight somebody. Next time on where I stay. Where I Stay is produced by Rivet and Streetwise. The show is hosted, reported, and produced by Jesse Batend. 
Streetwise is a weekly street publication that provides immediate income and employment opportunities to those experiencing homelessness. For more in-depth reporting and coverage, check out streetwise.org. If you enjoyed this show, there's a few things we'd ask of you. First, tell someone that, that you enjoyed it. Second, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It's one of the most crucial things when it comes to helping us spread the word. You can also learn more about Streetwise's mission at streetwise.org. And if you'd like to help support this kind of work, it's easier than ever. Text Streetwise, all one word, to 243725 or visit streetwise.org for more information. Special thanks to Angelica and everyone who spoke with me for this project. Our theme song is The Deconstruction by Eels. Check out their new album, Earth to Dora, wherever you get your music these days. For more about Angelica, the show, and in-depth reporting about the issues discussed, follow Streetwise on social media or just pick up a copy. Once again, you can make a difference in the life of someone experiencing homelessness by texting STREETWISE to 243725. You can also find that link in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Jesse Patend. Thank you for listening. <laughs>